The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsons Minded. It's Patrick Vexel. I'm here with Hadi Kalakesh and I am going back to Hadi because last time we spoke with Hadi, we rated the, the uh, OHL prospects uh, and all the other junior league prospects, but we didn't rate the goalies, obviously. We forgot about that. And... Uh, we didn't rate the NCAA prospect. So uh, here we are. And thank you again for joining me, Hadi. I love the conversation we just had about Sean Wright. And 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 uh, as a first overall pick, and I think we both agree that he will be a first overall pick. Uh, we'll have more on that coming up later. But it's great to have you on again, Hadi. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we're looking to to the NCAA, but we're going to start with, with the goalies that we had on uh, last uh, that we didn't have on last week, and and that's Joe Verbetic uh, from North Bay Battalion in, in the OHL. Um, decent enough campaign this year, I think. Yeah. He he has a two point eight seven uh, goals against average. He has a point nine one or point nine oh six saving percentage over forty five games. That's pretty strong numbers. Yeah, exactly. I gave him a B grade on the season. Um, I think he finished uh, he finished second among uh, drafted goaltenders in the OHL um, for a safe percentage and goals against. Uh, and he was ninth overall. So that includes, you know, 20, 21 year olds that haven't been drafted. Um, and one thing I noticed is that his uh, his backup, Dom DiVicensis, he finished with better stats, but he was facing better. Yeah, he was he was facing lower quality teams. Verbetic was not only given the brunt of the uh, games in terms of quantity, but also in terms of quality, he was facing the better teams. Um, so that sort of contributed to that. The main thing with Verbetic is he's massive. He's six foot six. Um, he's got a great wingspan and he's very sort of composed in net. That's his biggest quality, I'd say. Um, he, he reads the play well. He doesn't sort of step out, doesn't get too aggressive. He keeps his cool and, and understands when and where to, to go for those desperation saves and when he can just sort of control himself. But because of his wingspan, I feel like shots that are closer to his body, closer to his chest, um, tend to squeeze through a bit easier. So that's something he could work on. Um, and he's very susceptible to deflections. So anytime there's a deflected shot, he sort of struggles first with um, controlling the rebound and second with actually making the save to start with. Um, but in general, you know, in terms of where he was drafted, I think this is a great selection for the Habs. It's where, you know, that you can get a weight round pick that performs well and, uh, and has some upside. Um, it's still early and it's always very early with goalies. It had to take a lot of time, but if you can get a guy after the 200th pick who can, play a game or two in the NHL, um, that would be a great option for the Habs later. 
Yeah, goalies are voodoo. We all know that, and and no one really knows how to, how to treat it as well. Um, yeah. Comparing him to Frederick Tishau a little bit, what I've seen with Frederick is that he has to work around a little bit of the bodies because he's so high up, and and you know Rebeticus and and Dobich as well that we're going to talk about in a second is taller than 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 Tishau. And I'm wondering, you know, have you seen the same kind of thing that? when he that that he has to go maybe a little bit down opening up his legs a little bit more before the shot comes in order to get around the defenders and get a look around the attackers and maybe a little bit more susceptible to to uh, screens yeah well it, i've actually seen the the opposite habit with verbetic where he's actually going to look uh, on top of players he's going right, to sort yeah. of crane up and look around them look above their shoulders um, most of the time, which is, you know, one main thing that leaves him susceptible to deflections because then he has to drop. And with his massive frame, his long legs, it takes longer to hit the butterfly position for the standstill, especially when he's, you know, looking up and, and, and raising his body upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that, you know, it's a small habit that um, can either be adjusted or worked around. Uh, and the Habs have, you know, fantastic goalie development, I feel. So um, they've got the tools required to sort of round out his game and make that work for him. Uh, but I would like to see him sort of crouch down with the team players' legs behind or, or beside them um, a bit more often just to get a better look at the puck and be more ready for a deflection. Um, but it's it's small adjustments, really. And at 19, you have a bunch of runway to work with. Him. Indeed. He, it, we saw it took a long time for G-Show to come around. And he okay. has had a fantastic season, obviously. Uh, Jacob Dobish... Uh, for Ohio State University and going into the NCAA uh, prospects that way, 35 games, uh, 2.26 goal games, but a saving percentage of 0.934. Give us the lowdown. Yeah, well, this is one of, you know, Dobish is one of the most aggressive and athletic uh, goalies in the league. He's very, very quick on his skates. Um, He's really good with stick work. And that's one thing I look at with goalies that makes me sort of, um, hone in on their IQ is how they use their stick when not just when leaving their net to play pucks, but especially when, um, you know, the puck gets down low and they have to sort of block cross ice options. Does he drop his stick too quick? Does he put it in the right spots? Um, for me, that's something that Dobesh does quite well. He's a good poke checker. He doesn't overcommit. Um, he's got great lower body flexibility and he's explosive. There's a lot of qualities in Dobish's game that make him sort of a solid prospect for the Habs. I'd rate him above Rebetic by a, by a good amount right now. Uh, but he is also older, I think. Um, you should, I think he's 20. Let me check. There uh, we go. Yeah, he is 20 years old. Um, he's turning 21, actually, in three days. So happy early birthday to him. Um, but yeah, he's, he was a fifth-round pick last uh, in 2020. Um, so to me, this is a prospect that still has some time ahead of him, but he's also, you know, in his, um, in his before last year with, uh, with Ohio state. Um, so he's got some runway. We've got time, especially in that, uh, the Habs have gotten some good pickups, Keaton Primo's on the come up. Um, there's a lot of options right now. So in terms of goal, you know, rushing goalies, I don't think, you know, the Habs need to worry about that at all. And they've got a good pool that I don't think they're going to pick up a goalie in this year's draft. Um, so yeah, Dobish to me, I think is pretty much, you know, he's on par with Dishaw in terms of the two best goalie prospects in the Habs system. Um, and he puck tracks really, really well. I feel like he sees the play extremely well. He doesn't lose sight of the puck. 
Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a very well-rounded elf prospect, and that helps him a lot in the uh, in the NCAA right now. Um, but there's ways to go. There's a lot of things that he can work on. Sometimes he gets uh, um, he gets caught off guard on backdoor threats. He won't identify the fact that there's a player on the backdoor waiting for a pass, and sometimes that'll, that'll um, catch up to him. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do, but also you know a lot of very well-rounded out assets. In this game. Back to the defenders, really, and. Uh... I'm going to start with, you know, Anton Rossigold's favorite prospect, Arvid Henriksen, Lake Superior State. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. Uh, I'm in some ways happy with Arvid. I'm, I'm in many ways happy with Arvid. He was a good student in Sweden. He's turned into, you know, a, a decent NCAA defender. Uh, I don't think he'll go anywhere else. He might end up doing a hockey Allsvenskan maybe in Sweden. But on the other hand, he's gotten a degree out of, of, of his hockey, and that's worth a lot in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing is with Henriksen, though, is he's the only drafted prospect on his team, and he's 17th in points. His plus-minus isn't too good. Takes a lot of penalties. He's got a style of play that fits well for, um, for the NCAA in terms of you know, suppressing chances, in terms of being a physical guy who can shut down play. But I don't see any real pro upside in this game. I think the NCAA is pretty much where it ends for him because he's 24 and putting up sort of, you know, five point five assists in 35 games as a 30 as a 24 year old playing against you know 19 to 23 year olds. Um, to me, that's not a really good sign of, of sort of pro potential. Uh, I've watched a couple of his games. The issue is the um, the uh, division aging equation. is usually the issue, isn't it? Yeah, the skating is the main issue, absolutely. But it's also the thing is he plays in a division that um, is separate in terms of viewership from the rest of the NCAA. So I can watch the rest of the NCAA on multiple platforms, but um, that specific division is very difficult to get games for. But I have watched three or four of his games, and he never really stood out as a guy who, who would be able to make the NHL, just you know, mainly due to that skating issue. I don't see him as a very solid skater. Um, so to me... You know, there's things he can do better, but in general, he just doesn't seem like the type of prospect that the Habs would be able to hang on to and sign and have play, even in Laval. Um, no, 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 in- Def- definitely not. I think, you know, he should be happy getting a degree, uh, put that degree to use, work, uh, maybe play hockey. If, if he gets a hockey contract in Hockey Elsenskan in Sweden, which is a pro league, uh, I'll be honest with that, but I don't see him go any further than that. Uh, because because of the the reasons we already said he's big he, he's a bruiser he can stand in front of the net i've heard his leadership qualities are really good but on the other hand his skating qualities has always been the trouble and there was a reason he was almost mystery irrelevant in, in that year's draft but uh, i think he was third from the from last to to be taken uh, i mean i understand why you take a shot at players like this so i don't i don't blame it you know and and there is not many seventh round pick that plays a couple of games in the NHL either, so it's fine. Hundred percent, exactly. And the thing is, um, especially in that range, especially who was drafting at that point, to me it was like, you know, the Habs are going for a specific brand of defender for a long while. That's why they drafted Struble. That's why they drafted, um, you know, Caden Gooley. Um, they were going for a specific brand of big, mean, physical defenders that can sort of skate but mainly focus on the defensive side they wanted very you know polished defensive players um 
it worked out in certain elements, but you know, with a with a late seventh round pick, you don't really cry if they don't make the NHL. You know, it's it's sort of the expectation. Already first rounders, it's something like 30 to 40 percent of them that make the NHL, and it just does much lower from there. Um, so when you get to the seventh round, you're gonna miss some shots, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, another player that we're going to talk a little bit about is Lucas Condotta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Right, otherwise yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, left wing, UMass Lowell, uh, 33 games. You know, I think when you look at Condotta, and this is my take really, and and it's the same essentially with Quinnipiac's uh, Quinnipiac University's Ty uh, Similac uh, Similiniac. Uh, these are, it's Milanic. Um, these are players that you have to look a couple of years down the road and see what they become because you don't really know a little bit. Blake Biondi is in that category for me as well. For sure. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think the Habs are really looking for someone with leadership qualities. He's the, he was a captain at UMass. Um, he he's 24 so he's physically developed i think he's reached his physical maturity uh we're, we're way ahead of that um i do see some goal scoring sort of abilities but to me it doesn't stand out as a you know, massively solid offensive player he really sort of mans the defensive side of the game pretty well um he's got good physicality i see him as a fourth line option down the road um at 24 you know he's got a, maybe a couple more years of proper development before he reaches sort of his prime and what we expect from him as a player um so to me you know we shouldn't expect much from Kondata and he seems like the type of player that's probably going to be a fourth line guy sort of chipping in physically chipping in defensively scoring the odd goal but you know there's there's not many sort of Huck skill elements as game to stand out. He doesn't, he doesn't attack the middle as much. He's really much more comfortable along the boards. Um, so, you know, I haven't watched enough of Kondata to have a full opinion on him. This is just based on the games I've watched with Global and the, a couple games I've watched him play with UMass. Uh, but that's sort of my impression of it. Going on to Smilanek again and, and beyond the uh, after that, can, can you give us uh, some runtime on these two as well? Yeah, so Smolanik is uh, a good goal scorer. He's got good habits, a good shot um, with the puck. The only thing is he attacks wide a lot. He loves to rush down the, the, the boards and overtake defenders that way because he's got good skating. Uh, I'm not sure that translates quite as well in the NHL. Uh, the NHL, usually what works is give and go passes, attacking the middle, um, you know, dropping into, into soft areas, you know, reloading above the puck and funneling down the middle i don't see that as often from smilanic and i you know he has played center but i do project him more as a winger uh, at the nhl level um but the there's small habit elements small decision making elements that i don't feel are as solid as other prospects in the pool um so there's caution there but i think the Habs have a good sort of they started with their development team to round out those issues and work on his on his puck skills and, and his iq um, you know, and he's still young, so there's a bunch of runway available as well. But my take on him is probably going to be a more of a goal scorer than a playmaker and a guy who's going to up the pace every time he gets the puck. Um, but I, I wouldn't see him as more than a third-line player this far. If he works on his IQ, if he works on attacking the middle, on, um, you know, playing give-and-goes, you know, feeding off his teammates to get them to better opportunities, then maybe. But for the moment, he's probably going to be a third-line player. And Biondi? 
Biondi, to me, um, he's a very, you know, he's a big center. He's good at face-offs. Um, he's the type of guy who's also going to be scoring a lot of goals, but I feel like his playmaking ability is a bit underrated. He does end up being the finisher most of the time, uh, where he'll get the puck from his teammates and, and shoot it on goal. Um, biggest issue with Biondi really is the skating. To me, you know, there's major improvements required on that side of the puck. Um, he's got some decent elements, but really the skating is a big, big issue. Um, and he's not really good at retrieving pucks in, in stride. So it's a bit like Ryan Paling, where he'll get a puck, and then as soon as he ups the pace and tries to skate hard, it starts bobbling on him, and he's, he can't really keep possession of it. But he's an extremely physical player. He's great defensively, and he's got a great shot, which are three sort of foundations you can build around and, and make a, a bottom six player that's going to have a solid impact. Um, but these, again, are young players that have a bunch of time to, to add some tools, and especially with uh, Adam Nicholas being added to the development team. I think Biondi's going to benefit the most from his addition because he's going to be able to work on his skating posture, his skating stride, and make sure that he stops bobbling pucks when he ups the pace, um, which is going to help his game a lot. Uh, we've spoken about four guys, Henriksen, and, and if you grade them, uh, Henriksen, Kondata, Smilanek, mm -hmm. and Biondi. Uh, if we grade them in that order, uh, what grade have mm -hmm. you given Henriksen this year? Uh, I, honestly, I gave him a D. Because at 24, he should be performing better than this, uh, in my opinion. Shouldn't um, he get an F then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty generous with my grades. I think he is the lowest I'll go. Uh, that, that's <laughs> just out of respect. Says so, um, so, so the guy that gave him gave two Fs in his uh, <laughs> his grading <laughs> article. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Condotta. Uh, Condotta. Um, I, you know, it's hard to say because I haven't watched him as much. Um, I don't really feel too comfortable grading him on the entire season, but based on what I saw, um, there were games where he was a B, there were games where he was a C, so something somewhere in that range um, where he's doing well, but not as well as a 24-year-old should be doing at that age uh, in, that, uh, in that week. Milanic? That's Milanic? I think uh, I pronounced Milanic. it like five different times now, in five <laughs> okay. different ways, so it's fine. <laughs> no worries. So yes, Milanic, I give him, I'll see what I gave him in the art. Oh, see, I've been great because I didn't watch him as much either. Um, but, you know, from the games I watched, uh, he, there were moments, again, where he was performing well, he was scoring goals, but most of the time, the, the issue is the inconsistency. Um, there's games where he completely disappears, and there's games where he seems like the best player on the team. You know, he's got great hands, stuff like that. So um, something like a C-plus would make sense for him. And the final of, of this group, uh, the Biondi guy. Blake Biondi, I gave a B plus. He had a great season. Uh, 17 goals, 11 assists in 42 games. Um, he, was a, he was a high scorer on UMD, on, on the uh, University of Minnesota Duluth's program. And um, he really manned the team offensively and was excellent defensively. So to me, you know, he's the guy um, that had the best grade among those four. We're going to move on and, and we're, we're going to look at some guys that we might, you know, hear more about uh, in, in the coming years. And it's Pitlick. Uh, you know, Montreal collects all the Pitlicks. Uh, we got Stapley and we got Tuck. Uh, in which order do you want to go with these? We can start with Pitlick. Um, he had a hit or miss season for me. There were, again, there were games where he was doing great. Um, it's actually, you know, it was sort of split in two halves. The first half really didn't go as well. Um, as a second, not even in the slightest. Um, he only had seven assists through his first 17 games. 
Um, and then after that, he hit a stride. I think it was great timing. They, the Habs added uh, Rem and, uh, and Tyler Pitlick, and then his game just exploded. So I think he was just really happy with their additions. Um, so he ended the season with 18 points in 21, 29 games. Um, he had a four-game point streak um, in which he had seven points. He was really all over the place, and that's the thing, is that Pitlick's consistency is the main issue. There's games where um, – He's hard to watch, and there's games where he just seems like the most explosive and dynamic player. He's an excellent skater. He's an excellent puck handler. He reminds me a lot of Rem Pitlick uh, in that sense, where, you know, he'll get the puck, he'll up the pace. He has great edge work, great stick handling. Um, when he gets the puck, there's a threat, usually. Um, but there's also games where nothing's going in. He'll take a shot, he'll miss wide. Um, the next one, he'll shoot into shin pads. You know, it's very inconsistent with him. Um, and if he can sort of round that out and be more consistent with his performances, um, you know, he would bring a bit of what Rem Pitlick brings, you know, pace, intensity, defensive value, um, and the occasional shooting percentage vendor where everything seems to be going. Interesting. And, and I think, you know, um, it's, it's interesting to see also these kind of, uh, how should I say, high-performance players. It's either hit or miss. Uh, yeah. that, that Montreal has collected over the last couple of seasons. Uh, no, exactly. So, so yeah. I give him a B minus on the season, just to mention that, um, yeah. because of the inconsistency. Uh, then let's go with Luke Tuck, Boston University, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be kind to Luke, um, but it's pretty hard. Uh, watching him this season, I... Among the Habs prospects I watched, I think he was really the most disengaged. Um, he just sort of skates around aimlessly and sort of tries things when he gets the puck. Uh, I didn't see him as involved physically. I didn't see him use his, you know, skating as well to sort of separate. You know, when there's runway ahead of him, when there's a clear path to a breakaway, he'll take it. But as soon as he's facing opposition... He tends to slow down. He turns. He tends to stop skating and starts overthinking. Um, and especially the thing I noticed is that his hockey sense really isn't the best. Um, he'll pass into into skates. He'll he'll he won't time his passing as well. He won't try you know area passes into zones for his teammates to skate into and stuff like that. Um, he was injured throughout the year, so maybe the disengagement was related to that. But I don't know. I if I talked about this on another podcast, but I feel like if Luke Tuck makes a third line, it's a miracle. That's that's the best case scenario for him, and um, a lot of things need to go right for that to happen. But you know, he's got he's got great shooting. He's got um, you know good pace to his game. He's a big guy. It's just about using his tools better. I feel. So a D. I gave him a C minus. Close enough. <laughs> You're too kind. You're, you're way too kind. I'm, I'm going to tell us. my kids about you in class, and they're going to want you as a teacher and not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's go with Brett Stapley. Um, someone I have spoken a lot about during the season, and especially at the end of last season. Uh, how has it been going? Because I haven't been following quite a lot. Yeah, well, Brett Stapley uh, really had a good season, but he had it on a tremendous team uh, in Denver. Denver had a bunch of, you know, high-end scores. Um, I gave him a B on the season, 
he ended with 38 points in 34 games. Uh, and, um, well, including his playoffs, he had 43 points in 41 games. Uh, but if you look at the scores, he ended fourth on the team in scoring. Um, obviously, Bobby Brink was the guy. Carlos Savoy as well on Edmonton's side uh, was really good on that team. And it wasn't like he was being carried by those guys, but he was definitely being assisted in his, his uh, production by them. Um, the question the is time, more or less, that, how, how much did he assist on theirs? Oh, well, a decent amount, but uh, Stapley had more, you know, a good amount of goals. He had 18 goals and 25 assists. So it was a pretty even split. Um, he was often getting the puck in positive areas. So he was more, more benefiting of good passes. Um, but at the same time, that's the thing with Stapley is that he sort of struggles to create his own scenes when attempting to pass a puck. Um, he'll sort of rely on the openings that are already there. When the opening's there, he's good. You know, he can get that pass through. But I don't see him create scenes as well as he should. Um, I don't see him, um, you know, change the angle on his pass before releasing the pass, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but again, he's a seventh round pick. Um, who's aging out of, uh, you know, the, uh, of the NCAA pretty soon. And he's got great stick handling. He's good off the puck, a really good off puck player. Um, and, you know, I'd say his passing is better than his shooting, uh, but not by a lot. Both, both elements are pretty good. Um, the main issues I see is that he's not as physical as he should be, and he struggles with retrieving pucks, which is something that's pretty useful for a center. You want your center to be able to, to battle for loose pucks and, and get them out of his zone and all that. And, you know, but in terms of supporting his defenders, that's probably his best area. Um, he circles low, he assists them on the breakout, but they need to retrieve the puck. He can't be stable. Um, that's the only element. All right. Let's finish on the high note. We got three fantastic prospects to go. Uh, I don't know in which order we're going to take them, but uh, let's start with. Jason Struble. Jaden Struble was, um, you know, his his point totals won't show it, but he really had a great season. They gave him a B on the season. Um, he had three goals and 10 assists in 31 games, but the skills that he displayed uh, on and off the puck really showed me that Struble might even have a higher upside than Gordon Harris, who joined the Habs already. He's doing good. Um, he's still raw. There's still some things he needs to learn, but I think next season with the uh, with Northeastern just being their main guy and playing the most minutes, I think he's going to shine because the way that he chooses his passes when he gets the puck, um, you know, he never he never delegates his problems. When he has a puck, he finds a guy who's in a better position than him, and if there's none, he's going to absorb the player and open up that player so that they're in a better position. It shows smarts. Um, and especially, you know, along the boards, his body positioning to retain pucks is um, the way he uh, takes opponents' hands out of the play in order to retain a puck and play it out. To me, that's fantastic. Um, he's a great transition player. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest area of his game that I think is, is going to translate very well. He skates fantastically. He's a big body, um, and he finds passes really well. So... Very well-rounded player, but with still some elements of decision making. Like sometimes he'll rush into a he'll rush into a physical contact without really um, mapping out the situation and making sure that he's not taking himself out of play, leaving his teammate short-handed. Small elements like that, but honestly, I'd say Struble to me is in the top three or four prospects in the half system. Very interesting, and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, 
or seeing your 20, top 25 under 25 rankings down the line and yeah. um, moving on to to someone that is already signed by montreal canadians um, there's been a lot of worry from montreal fans about him mm-hmm. not signing obviously um he got his games in this year uh, burned one of the entry level deal con uh, years in the contract um but but jordan harris what are like how was his season what was how did you grade him but also a little bit what are your expectations on him next season yeah so harris's season i gave him a b plus on it he was really the most um hermetic defenseman on the northeastern side nothing really got past him and when it did most of the time it wasn't something that was his fault whether it's on the rush or in his own zone harris is constantly breaking down plays and It shows how intelligent he is. Uh, we saw that in the NHL as well. The intelligent plays that he makes with the puck constantly, the consistency with which he makes those plays, um, I don't think there's a, there's a parallel for him in the Habs system. There's no one that plays like him, and there's no one that is as smart, I feel, as him on the defensive side. Um, I feel like his puck skills are limited. He doesn't have the most solid shot. He doesn't have the most tremendous passing ability. But... He's just a very, very smart guy. He reminds me a lot. I feel like he filled the gap of Brett Kulak excellently. Um, in terms of style, in terms of what they do with the puck, without the puck, they're very similar. And I think that's how he projects. To me, I feel like he's going to be a, a fourth, fifth, sixth defenseman pretty much his entire career. But he's going to be one of the best fourth, fifth, sixth defensemen. Um, not, not in the league, but in the Habs system for sure. Uh, he's going to be a great option in that bottom three of the Habs defensive four. Um, whereas Struble, on the other hand, he has a potential to be a number two, three, four guy. Um, is he going to hit that potential? Maybe not. But with Harris, it's the certainty. Like he's going to be an NHL player for a very long time. So I'm not worried about him at all, but I, I would tend for expectations. I don't see him as a solid top four guy, um, especially given his shot is, is pretty fluttery. It's not the hardest and not the most accurate. But other than that, he's just very, very, very smart. I love his. We're going to move on to, to the last prospect of the show. And, and obviously, he scored a couple of minutes ago in, in the World Championships. Uh, Cole Caulfield has said it's his favorite prospect in, in the system, really. He said it on the draft day, obviously. Uh, or was it steel when Sean Farrell was drafted, as I mentioned, just scoring an empty netter against Denmark? Was it against them? No, it was uh, uh, it was Norway. Uh, Norway I mix yeah. Up, yeah, I mix up my neighboring countries every time. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, scoring an empty netter. Um, really great to have him there. Really great to see him also handling, you know, playing against yep. bigger opponents uh, and and seasonal opponents, maybe maybe even more. Uh, I'm gonna expect an A from you here. Oh, yeah, 100%. He got an A and fully deserves it. I've said it multiple times with Farrell. He is the best playmaker in the half system. Um, he passes through uh, sticks, through skates like they don't exist. He finds players in better positions. He times it perfectly. He's, you know, his playmaking is elite. It's elite. There's no other word for it. And he's improved his shot. He's improved his defensive game. He's improved physically. There's a lot of areas in which he grew. And that's why he's an A. You know, if he was just good at playmaking and I didn't see any progression in his game, probably would have been in the Bs. 
but the progress he's shown this year in his entire game makes me feel like um, Farrell's a shoo-in uh, for a top six down the line. I really, really, really like his game. I feel like his skating needs a bit of work. Um, he, he is pretty elusive, but he doesn't have as much top speed because he's a bit slouched in his, in his skating posture. Uh, and that's, again, something that Adam Nicholas can round out with him later on. But with 20, 28 points in 24 games, he scored 10 goals. To me, you know, he was one of Harvard's most solid players. Even if he wasn't always playing on their first line, he was always on their first power play, always contributing from the half wall, making insane passes throughout the year. Um, I love Sean Farrell's game. And I think, to me, he's, he's either second or third in the half system terms of prospect quality um yeah he's he's one of the players that we i think we all have realized what kind of a pick montreal actually got uh we should listen to cole calfield more often when it comes to drafting right uh, 100 yeah he should be a scout yeah well he might end up there after his long career with the habs uh, you've been listening to Hadi Kalakesh. You find him on on Twitter under Hadi Kalakesh, right? Or is it Hadi K Scouting? It's Hadi K underscore Scouting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have a look at him. This is the last episode of of grading the prospects that Hadi and I have covered have covered over the season. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll uh, be back with more and more draft coverage coming towards the draft, where we will have Hadi. Uh, obviously, with his insights into the different draft systems and and the draft pool uh, coming on again, I hope you have appreciated his insights as much as I have. Thank you, Hardy. You're an amazing guest, and uh, I'm really happy to to have you here. Thanks so much. Anytime.